Hey, Smelly Bellies, this is Mike, and welcome to episode 31 of the Smelly Cast. This episode, we're going to be talking about the new hit show, Better Call Saul. Can't wait to dive into it with you guys, so tune in. Billy, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you, Mike? I'm so good. I've been I've been watching this show, and it's just so so great. Like, yeah, I I love it, and I love that sound. Like that, the openings are great. I love that they're different every seasoning, every every yes. episode. Yes, um, they give just you a little little green little taste. '90s Americana, love it. Yes, they do. Oh, it's so good. Well, for those of you that don't know, Better Call Saul is a spin-off show from Breaking Bad. Yeah. Now, uh, the unique thing about Better Call Saul as a spin-off is that it takes place before the main story of Breaking Bad, which Phil, you know, I know I know you freaking love Breaking Bad yep. as do I. Yep. Um, but this this follows one character in particular and that is Saul Goodman, the lawyer, the sleazy, greasy, lovable lawyer that uh, that Jesse Pinkman and Walter White that they interact with, but this takes place in 2002, before Saul met Walter White in 2008, and so it's going to be spanning that period. And um, so this this is just so so great. I've been I've been I got let's see I probably started watching, um, you know I, I think I started watching with the very first episode. I just jumped right in and uh, and it was so so good like at first i i felt um like i wasn't sure if i would like it as much you know i wasn't sure what what to expect you know i had heard rumors that it was supposed to be a comedy i wasn't sure if it would be yeah. something just totally different um than breaking bad or if it would be kind of in the same vein and uh, I, w- I was i was skeptical for the first couple episodes and then it really like hit its stride for me mm-hmm. and i and i started getting hooked yeah what about what about you phil what was your first impression like um in in just hearing about it because because you've, you've you've probably been hearing about it over the past few months like as it's been start, get, like coming up and, yeah like what's been your impression especially because you're in new mexico where they film it yeah absolutely so <clears throat> film in new mexico is a huge thing and a big part of that's television so as we talked about before, there are two shows that they film on my campus. Um, this show is filmed, I believe, in I-25 Studios, which is just right off of I-25 in Albuquerque, uh, on your way up to Santa Fe. And obviously, it's a big industry. There's one union for film workers for the entire state. It's not like each group has them. So if you know anyone in the union, you hear a lot about what's happening, what people are working on. And so for me, this has been really fun because, I mean – I sit down and I can watch the show and I can know and recognize places that they are now, That's which is so fun. Cool. And it kind of makes me want to go back and watch Breaking Bad a little bit more oh, and try to catch it. But you can do cool stuff. You can go down to like the Poyos Hermanos and it's still decorated inside like Poyos Hermanos. And it's a, it's just a, a different chain of, of Mexican food out here. Huh. Really cool stuff. You can do Walter RV tours where you can go around in Winnebago's and go to all the places. You can do the Breaking Bad tour where you go on a trolley and go to Walt's house, and the guy stands outside shaking his head at people for trying to throw pizzas on his on his roof. Yeah, yeah we talked about that a couple episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, it's just fun. So with Better Call Saul, I didn't I didn't jump in and watch it right away because I I'm a binge watcher and I have a really hard time waiting week to week. Um, even on my Hulu, I will 
watch it, an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and then like even though I know I've already seen it, I will reload the channel just to see if I can watch another episode. <laughs> and I'm always disappointed. So I uh, I actually hopped on to your Plex server, your Plexi, and oh, yeah. I watched the first episode last week, and it was great. I mean, it's great. It, it's kind of boring and slow. You're interested because of Saul Goodman, but then right. you you get to the end, and then there's a surprise character at the end of the first episode, and oh, I was yes. just like, yeah, I am ready for this. Yeah, and and that's when I first started to say like, huh, maybe this will be more than just like. You know, Saul Goodman's a little sleazy lawyer, right? But so with that, with that very first episode, the main thing that I felt was like, I felt like this guy because because it starts out Saul Goodman is not his name. Nope. You know, his name is is uh, Jimmy McGill, yep. and he he like he's just so pathetic, right? Like everything about him in that first episode, and probably even the second one, like he is just the worst. Like he's just not. You know he can't get any good work. Right. He's like broke. He's living in in a, he's, in he's a nail salon. He's defending three kids who had sex with yeah. a corpse's head, like a decapitated yeah. corpse, and oh. losing, and then still only making one one check off of it instead of three because you can tell he's just a new lawyer. Yeah, yeah, and and well, so for everyone who doesn't know, it's actually not even like a prequel. It actually opens in present day post breaking bad with That's right. Saul and he goes home in his depressing life and he starts rewatching his old tapes from his better call Saul law practice. And that's yeah. when we flash back to what we're watching. Goodness. I forgot about that. I need to go back and watch that first episode again. <clears throat> yeah. He's like, managing I bet, a I bet cinema. it'll be a totally, I bet it'll be. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's his only real like viable option after everything. <laughs> right. Walt. <laughs> um, slipping Jimmy. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I need to go back and watch that. I bet it'll be totally different now that I've got so much like history right. and like emotion built up in these characters. For sure. Um, so th- for me throughout the season, I really have come to love Jimmy McGill. Yep. Like, so it's only, it's only 10 episodes long, which is sad. I, I, it's so sad, but if, if whatever, you know, if they have, if to get this kind of quality, if they have to drop it to 10, 10 episodes, episodes worth it. if they had to do four, I would be like, whatever, I'll take whatever I yeah. can get because, because the, the BBC model, right? It's the Sherlock so model. Amazing. Yes. Th- but, but they're doing an hour every week. Like this is like, it's, it's a basically half a film in every, every week. And, and it's film quality yep. too, like writing, cinematography, oh, like the way it's all cut together. It's just fantastic. Yep. Oh, and, and the acting like is, is spectacular, dude. Like yeah. Bob Odenkirk is just like he's a producer he, I mean, on the show now, which is cool. We to knew see. that he would have to carry the show, but he carries the show. Like he is everything, and I want nothing more but just to watch him for the like ever. Right? Yeah. I'm so so in love with him. Right yeah, now. It's so great. And may, maybe I'm just coming off of this high, you know, because I, I watched the finale two weeks ago or a week ago or whatever it was, and. Um, I'm just I'm still coming down from that, but it's so great. Um, yeah, it, it was in my dreams. I literally just watched the whole season. I've been sick, as you can tell by my voice. Um, but I watched the entire season yesterday, and I stayed yeah. up till two in the morning, even though I was sick, like rubbing vapor rub on my chest and my feet, just laughing. Just the whole time while you're going like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh. Yeah. So, I, I mean, do we do we want to get into spoilers? I think I think, I think that we should. I think we have to. And I, I think, again, the, the first you, season's over. I think if you haven't watched it, just stop listening right now and go watch it and then hop back on yeah. and you can enjoy the rest of this podcast with us. Yeah, it's 10, it's ten episodes. You can watch it in what, Phil? What'd you do, eight hours? Uh, right? Yeah, probably about eight hours. Yeah. Eight hours. So... So, so yeah, so obviously the opening of the first episode, you know, he basically talks these kids into, he's, okay, so let, let's start with the Kettlemans. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, Kettlemans are great. Kettlemans are, um, he's, he's the finance, uh, what is he, like the He's the treasurer of Bernalillo Tre- County, which is okay. Albuquerque County. County treasurer, yep. yeah. And, uh, and basically, it's come out that there has been money that has been that has gone missing one point you know from million. from the yeah from the treasury and uh it, and really like once people start to kind of do the math they realize that there's only one person that could really be responsible for this and that is this guy mr kettleman what's his first name uh bill kettleman i don't know yeah, I whatever don't remember. kettleman um and so saul or jimmy is uh is talking to the Kettlemans and and Phil, what's the great line that that the Kettlemans tell tell Jimmy uh, about not hiring him? Yeah, no. So that's later in another episode. It, oh. it is. It is. Um, but th- so basically, if you for those of you who know like Mormon culture, these are like super Mormons within the world of Albuquerque. They're not Mormon, but they're just super happy. They love hi- camping. They just like sing to their kids all the time. They're just constantly like singing bingo. I mean, it's over the top nice people. And yeah. he's trying to hire them and say you need a defense strategy because they're coming after you because all of a sudden you're missing 1.6 million and you guys have a new boat. Like that's a problem. Right. Yeah. Right. And so they later he goes over to his we need to establish the backstory, right? So later we find out that there's this other law firm and it's the big law firm in the Albuquerque community in the show. And I can Hamlin Hamlin McGill, right? Yep. Yeah. And Which you guessed it, folks. It's not That's, Saul. It's Saul's bro- it's not it's not Jimmy. Chuck. It's his older brother Chuck who helped founded this career. And we find who, out... Who's like a major, major lawyer. Yeah. Like, like big time. Everyone in the community respects him. They all know him. He's a name partner in the giant, the biggest law firm in the in the city. Like, big deal. And so he... Um, Chuck's out right now, basically taking a sabbatical, because he has a... Allergy. An allergy to electricity, to electro, electric magnetic fields. And so he stays in home. He has no electricity, cooks everything on like camp stoves and makes people ground themselves, take their phones and everything, anything electronic out and leave yeah. it outside of his house. And really, really. He, he doesn't leave his house. Jimmy brings all of his food to him. And coolers with ice. Everything. Yeah. We should probably like just reaffirm for anybody that is not watching the show and doesn't know this. So Jimmy is Saul Goodman. He Saul. He has not started going by Saul Goodman. Right, Jimmy's and, his real uh, name. F- fun little fact that I read: um, he he actually tells Walter White in season two that his real name is McGill. Like like it all just like ties back together Great. and like it's all legit. Great. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So he so he we find out later that he's over here at this office talking to them because they send him a check for like what was it, like thirty thousand dollars. And yeah. he goes, what's the meaning of this? Tears it up in front of them, storms into the office. It's very obvious he's familiar with everyone there. And the main guy, Hamlin, who's bleach blonde hair, super tan, ridiculously expensive suits, like mm-hmm. pitch perfect lawyer, looks like yeah. a douchebag. He is that guy. And he says, oh, well, that's, you know, that's your, 
since you're managing your brother's estate right now while he's ill, we figured we'd send you the money. He's like, no, you're trying to create a paper trail because you want to prove that he's staying working here because he's trying to liquidate his, his, his brother. And we don't know why. We don't know why he's trying to get his brother out of this place and why he hates these people so much. But it's very obvious that he's familiar with him. Later, mm-hmm. later we find out that Saul... Jimmy, he put himself through school, passed the bar, and they wouldn't hire him. And well, where did, where did he go to school? Like, <laughs> the so University f- of American Samoa. American Samoa, yeah, yeah that's right. He went, it was like correspondent school, an online school, and but he passed the bar, so he's a lawyer. Still, um, yeah, amazing work. Like, yeah. I mean, did it all if underneath you pass his the bar, brother? You're a lawyer. Did it all underneath his brother's, like behind his brother's back? Brother didn't even know what was going on, and surprised so, his brother with the hey, I passed the bar. Like, so I would say that was one of the first times that I really started to like Jim. Yeah, that I like it. Like he went from being this pathetic guy to being somebody that I kind of was like, hey, hey, come on, man, right. you know. But like. So he he surprised his brother, you know, this big big time lawyer because Jimmy Jimmy had been working in the mailroom for years, and um, he, he showed him this and 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 he said, you know, Chuck, aren't aren't you proud of me? And, and Chuck was kind of like, you know, standoffish. He's like, yeah, 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 of course, of right. course, you know, and like just very very clearly like not excited about the the whole situation. And um, and then and then. Uh, and then he said, and then Jimmy said, okay, well, will you talk to the partners for me? And, um, uh, he said, well, do you think I can work here? He's like, as what? Yeah. He's, oh, as a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, obviously I'll talk to them and it's the board's decision. It's not my decision. So right. later they're having a party celebrating in the mailroom that Jimmy's become yes. a lawyer and Hamlin <sighs> comes in, asks them to leave. And we have this amazing shot through the glass. It's a, it's a wonder. Silent. We can't hear anything that's going on. All we hear is this copier printing papers, but you can tell off of reactions and everything what's going on. And then and it's so perfect. It is beautiful. It's so so perfect. Beautiful. So he leaves, and um, we basically find out that Hamlin told him they wouldn't hire him. He said, "You know, we'll reassess in six months," and that's all we hear that's happened. So as he's there and he's leaving, he's torn up this thirty thousand dollars check. He's barely making ends meet, making seven hundred dollars a, co- a case. Doing public defense, public oh, defender work. Terrible, terrible. Stuff. Right, and so he he as he's leaving, he hears the Kettleman's talking to Hamlin, mm-hmm. and so he hires these two kids who like fake. They tried to like do. Uh, they tried to basically play him by getting in a car accident and hitting his car and then demanding five hundred dollars from him. And he called him out on it. Well, he meets these guys and he talks to him about slipping Jimmy. Yep. You want to go with the mic? Well, Slippin' Jimmy is is basically his his even further backstory, right? Yep. So, and and we learn a lot more about this later on in, in episode ten, which well, I guess not. We we kind of we understand the depth later on, but we see that he used to be kind of a con man, and and this was where one of one of the best like kind of lines in the show is it, it cuts back to so to an old scam that he would do with with his buddy uh, Marco, and. Um, and, and like they would basically, Marco would pretend to be dead in a, in an alley, and, yeah, and Jimmy weird. would come walking up with with the with the mark right, and basically they would kind of the, argue the, and, and end up stealing this guy Marco, his friend's fake Rolex. Oh no! What, what would happen is he would be like leaving him from a bar. They'd go bar bar call and go through an alley, and then he would allow the mark to find the guy's wallet, Marco's wallet, with like a thousand dollars in wallet. it. And, and just, then he brings up the, the Rolex. Yep. He's got a Rolex on his wrist and he picks it up. He's like, oh, I'll just take this. He's like, oh, come on, man. And so basically he would take the guy's cash from that guy's wallet plus the money from Marco's wallet in exchange for a $3,000 Rolex. 
which was fake. Which is completely fake. So the basically but, but such a great such a great nod. And and I didn't ever think of this. I don't know if you did, Phil, but as they're walking down the alley, you know, the the guy's saying, like, hey, what so what's your name? You know, and he's all it's it's, yeah. it's all man, it's Saul Goodman. And he's like like it's all good, man. Yep. You know, like like so great. And I don't know, did you ever put that together Never. with Breaking Bad? Never. I didn't either. Never. Not it's once. all good, like, man. It's all good. It's man. all good, man. And I just loved that. I guess, and uh, they were talking about it on their on their podcast. There's an official podcast just for the show, which is fantastic. I would recommend everybody go listen to it. With uh, you know Vince Gilligan's on almost every episode, and and a lot of the actors and a lot of the producers. Peter and stuff Peter and Gold, it. who's the inventor of yep. Saul and Mike Urbantrop. Yep. Yep. And so and, he uh, invented. And we we got to talk about Mike. Show. Goodness, we got to get know. going. Okay. I know. We gotta, okay. Gotta hurry. So anyway, so we we learned that Slip and Jimmy kind of used to be this con man, and he would do these different cons to people and so he gets these kids to go in and con this old lady no they go in to con well, the kettlemans uh, con the kettlemans because this old basically they roll out in front of another car that looks just like the kettlemans just car like the kettlemans, and but that it's car not. drives off so they they basically yeah. hitch behind it they call saul and saul's like you hit the gold mine it's a hit and run we can get so much money out of them he's like right. why don't i he's like I'll, we'll split it 50 50 he's like why don't we just do it ourselves so they follow the the car to this house and mm-hmm. it's an old lady yep Hispanic lady she gets out of her car they go up they start knocking on the door and they go inside so Saul Goodman's like driving around crazy trying to find out what's going on he's seen he's seen the Kettleman lady leave he's basically trying to like set it up so that he can like step in push these kids away so that he can earn the account of the Kettlemans so he can right. get their business right. and so he pushes them away Sorry, my dog's just like hopping all over me. So he basically she's excited. I know she, she should. She's be. Just trying to hump my arm. Anyway, so she he basically finds the skateboards and the car in this house, and so he walks up, starts patting on the door. He's like, "I am, I'm an officer of the court. Open this door." And then all of a sudden, the the door opens. There's a revolver in his face, and who's standing there, Mike? Tuco. 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 The bad from Breaking guy, Bad. The bad guy from Breaking Bad standing there. It's crazy as usual. Love it. Oh, man, I love it. And we've, we find out while he's working at the court, we've, we basically, every time he leaves the courthouse, Saul doesn't have enough uh, take stickers for his validation. Mm-hmm. And the crotchety old guard had to, basically makes him leave every time, and it's Mike. And that's how they met. Yep. 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 I love it. Love it. So good. Well, and we, and we learn we learn a little bit about Mike's backstory too. I'm really excited. Oh, and Mike's you know, I was performance, really excited. man. I'm like watching him, like, he needs an oh, Emmy so for good. this. Like, Man, such powerful character and such powerful like performance of pain. Yeah. So, so we learn, you know, I, we don't need to explain everything to the, for these for these people, right? But right. but we but we basically learned that that Mike's son was uh, was murdered, right. and he was a cop as as was Mike, and um, he was murdered, and then um, his his widow and Mike Ermintrout both they move out to New Mexico right. from New Jersey. And, um, which I mean, who wouldn't want to move from New Jersey? No, it's from Philadelphia. So, they leave, so yeah, she leaves Philadelphia and then Mike moves out too. But the Philadelphia oh. PDA show, PD show up, they start questioning him, and he basically yeah. hi, makes he's got Saul's card, so he hires him to like basically 
steal the cop, PD, the Philadelphia PD cops like notebook and find out all the information that's going on. He finds out that his daughter like called the police, think, basically reporting that his son was crooked, and he yeah. gets all emotional defending his son, talking about how he was crooked and every other cop was crooked, and his son was so upset because he got offered a part of this this money and he had to tell his son take the money or else you'll get killed. And he mm-hmm. basically said, my son has had me on this pedestal, and I had to kill the love that my son had for me. I had to take that from the respect. The respect. I had to take that from mm-hmm. my son. And he's just crying. Yeah. And it's just like the most powerful, one of the most powerful TV moments I think I've ever seen. Like it, was, yeah. it was so touching. And, I mean, it humanized him. We just understand more and more what's going on. And then he, we basically see him fall into the trap of doing basically side work dirty side work and he's doing it now to defend the, his wife's widow we also find out that he in one of the coolest gunfight scenes I've ever seen in TV by the way we basically see these two cops that killed his son mm-hmm. Mike sets them up to try to kill him and he kills these two cops and gets shot himself and all this interesting yep. stuff but it was one of the most realistic and cool gunfight scenes I've ever seen in a TV show yeah well, and there's so many other just amazing scenes. Like, you know, I think about the, the negotiation scene that, that he has, like, later on. With Nacho. Episode, yeah, episode seven or eight. And, and it, you know, Mike has done, like, his homework. Yeah. And he knows exactly what, what's going to happen. Fun thing, Mike. Fun thing. So he's basically standing in this, like, in this parking lot with these this giant dude. I mean, like, dude's probably, like, 370 pounds. And he's probably, like, oh, seven in, in foot the parking tall. garage. And this other guy comes out. And he's like, you, what'd you, what are you packing? He's like, Pimento. It's from the episode Pimento. And he's like, yeah. fine, you want to tell me what you got? And he's like, I didn't bring a gun. He's like, I brought cheese. And so he's basically giving, giving him all this crap. That guy, yeah. I'm pretty sure that that guy is the guy who plays Trevor in uh, Grand Theft Auto Five. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's so cool. Loved seeing it. So this guy's like going off about all these things. Yeah. Gun for hire. And so there's like really nerdy guy shows up and he's like, all right, I need you three people to like, uh, to do this. And they're talking about like, he didn't bring a gun. He's like, all right, we'll try to, you know, try to disarm me. He's like, make it difficult. Basically takes the gun, disarm, like, he like kicks out the clip, pops out the bullet, hits the guy in the throat and disarms him completely, taking all of his guns. The other giant dude runs off because he's so afraid of Mike, and he makes the fifteen hundred bucks himself for protecting the guy. So yeah, so great. But that negotiation scene when he's standing there and he's like, he's like, is it all there? And he's like, oh, it's twenty bucks short. And he's like, it's okay. And Mike goes, he's like, the the agreed upon amount. And he's like, and Nacho, the Mexican gang member, is like, are you really gonna let this deal go for twenty bucks? And Mike's response is, are you? Yeah, <laughs> the guy pulls out twenty bucks. Oh, it's so good. It's so cool. It's because he did all his research. He knew what was going on. Yeah. So another another fun thing. I don't know if you noticed this when you were watching. So every episode in this first season, except for one, ends the it ends in an O. So first episode is Uno, and then Mijo, yeah, and then Nacho, and then Hero, and then the one that's not is called Alpine Shepherd Boy. And it was gonna be called Jello, but they couldn't because of a trademark. Oh, Jello. And then there's five O, Bingo, Rico, <laughs> Pimento, Marco. Wow, that's cool. So good. So, um, yeah. Wow. Um, I, so I, another another fun thing, um, the the nail salon where where Jimmy is that the lives. one from later? Is that the one from Breaking Bad? Yes, the it's one, the he, one tries he tries to, to sell to air to, to to Walter White, and he explains no, the money no, laundering. He tries to, yeah, he tries to sell it to Aaron Paul. Oh, 
Is it? To, yeah, to use as like a money laundering. That's uh, that's great. That is great. And uh, so like all these little things that just tie in. It's just so great. And and you know, ultimate ultimate spoiler at the end. You know, so he loses his best friend. Not really his best friend, but his friend. Yeah. I guess Bob or uh, Bob, Jimmy, Saul. They all. <laughs> Jimmy was Marco's best friend for sure. Yeah. Um, Bob didn't really realize that. And, and so at this um, point, he's found out that his brother is the reason he didn't get hired. His brother is the right. reason telling him not to. He's found this great deal. Started found this great class action lawsuit. Worked with his brother. Did all this research. Built, a, built this, built this awesome giant case. case. His brother talks yeah. him into taking it over to his arch nemesis, Hammond. He takes it over there, and they won't they won't allow him to hire. He calls Hammond a pig effer, pig effer which was yeah. great to hear an F word like just like randomly. I was not expecting that. And then later he puts it together that his uncle's the yeah. reason he doesn't want to hire him, or his brother is the reason he doesn't want to get he won't get hired he probably tells him he's a fake lawyer because he went to American Samoa and he cheated and he's like slick Jimmy I can handle slick Jimmy with a law degree I cannot yeah and 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 it's truly like devastating yeah. because because Jimmy's done everything so the for Chuck. last year I mean Chuck can't Chuck leave his house he hasn't left his house and 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 Everything that he's done is, is for Chuck and because he loves Chuck and he just Chuck wants saved Chuck's his life. Respect. Chuck got him out of jail because he did, took a crapper in some guy's sunroof while his kids were in the car. The Chicago sunroof. Yeah, so great. And, and then it turns into it turns into a sexual harassment. Sexual a, sexual uh, assault charge. Yeah, like uh, because, because there were kids in the car. Yeah, Boy Scouts. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, but but one thing about about Marco, so he he ends up dying in the end. And and he wears the and he takes Marco's ring and he wears it on his pinky, and and that is the ring that 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 he wears forever. Like he wears through all of of Breaking Bad, and 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 it's so amazing to learn yeah, yeah. kind of what the, the significance of that. But I also thought it was really interesting that Marco is to Jimmy what Jimmy is to Chuck, right? So Marco is just looking to have this friendship and to have this respect from from Jimmy, and Jimmy just completely doesn't even care like he does he he yeah he indulges him a little bit but he doesn't really he like looks past him and and that's the same thing that chuck does chuck just looks past jimmy and so we see like these different layers of these characters and it's just it's so so great and so deep and uh i i've I just can't get enough. I know. I, I was so sad when it ended. I mean, I was pretty tired because I'm obviously ill. And it was like one episode left. And I was like, I have to watch it. And, you know, right after he finds this out, he goes back to Philly and, or he goes back to Chicago. And when he's in Chicago, mm-hmm. he starts running all these like scams with Marco again. And there's this great yeah. scene where he wakes up in this morning <laughs> and he's like, you're not Kevin Costner. And yeah. he's like, I was last night. <laughs> <laughs> it's so oh, great. It's so it's so great. The, honestly, like the writing is so amazing. Oh yeah. Um, so going back, you asked me the question, what was the great line that the cattleman said to him? Oh, We're yeah. tell you. So basically he finds out that this guy, Nacho wants to run a scam and take the money from them. So yeah. he, oh, Tuco takes him out into the desert, does all this crazy stuff. Bob Odenkirk talks them out of it, talks, talks Tuco into just breaking these kids' legs instead of killing mm-hmm. them completely. And at the end, he's like, William, he's like, you're the worst lawyer ever. He's like, kid, I just talked you out of a, from a life sentence to six months probation. I am the best lawyer. And that's when he really starts gaining confidence and he starts really yeah. using his slick Jimmy skills to get ahead. Down. Yeah, yeah, so he finds out that he's going to run the scam. And so he calls the Kettleman's from a payphone and tells them that warns he warns them. them. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the kids are missing and 
Nacho's in jail. Nacho's calling him, telling him he's his lawyer. And so he goes hiking out in the woods five miles and finds the kettleman singing like camp songs in a tent. Kumbaya. He's like wrestling with them, telling him they need to pack up so he can get Nacho out of jail because Nacho's going to kill uh. him if he if he doesn't out by the end of the night. And they rip the bag up and we find the $1.6 million they've been hiding. And so yep. they're, they're talking back and forth. He's like, I won't take a bribe, but I will take a retainer. And they said, yeah, <laughs> we're not going to hire you. And he's like, why won't you hire me? And the response is, you're the kind of lawyer guilty people hire. So true, though. Yep. But and so, so, and it just hits him. Yep. Like, you can tell it's just a punch to the gut. Yep. So good. Such a great show. But it's, t- it's time for him to embrace that, you know? Like, and, 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 and that's something that was interesting. You know, we, in in this season, we, we don't even see Saul Goodman, right? I mean, we do for that one little part in the alley. But he's still Jimmy McGill. Mm-hmm. And it's a... Like I, I almost, and they, they talk about this in the podcast too, but I almost don't want it to be, I don't want him to become Saul yet. I feel like there's still so much Jimmy. that I want to know about Jimmy yeah. before, before I'm ready for it to become Saul. So at the end, Jimmy's been offered the partner position in Santa Fe to work on the case that he's wanted to and basically get everything he's been working for and wanted and the fina- financial stability that he's he's earned I mean because he's worked his butt off he's smart he even though he you know he had to like work around the system to get what he wanted he's worked hard for it and I American Dream man he deserves it and as he stops because he feels not or he feels Marcos ring on his finger and he turns around and he goes to Mike he's like we had 1.6 million dollars on our desk why didn't we keep that no one knew we would have had it why don't we split it and um he said, "Props to Mike." Mike says, "You said, if I, I recall, you said you wanted to do the right thing." He's like, "Never again." That's what he says. Yeah. And, and Mike's response is, his... "I was doing a job. I was paid a job to get the money, deliver the money. I was not paid to take any money." And he's like, "Never again." He just drives off, and Mike just smiles at him, and it's yeah. so good. Yeah. Oh. So there, there are a couple other things that I've noticed. Um, I, f- I feel like. Um, and, and maybe this is just, you know, a tribute to the writers of, of this and Breaking Bad, but his car, you know, it's this, this just piece of Jalopy. crap. Yeah, yellow, pe- like just One junker. Door. Yeah, and and um, and I, like in, in watching him like fight this car, like it, he doesn't have like car trouble, but you can see that like it clearly says a lot about who he is as a person. And I feel like we had that same thing with Walter White and the Aztec. Yeah. And like the car for me like says so much about the character because they they just spend so much time using that to and and like I don't know, they could easily do this show without ever showing what car he drives, right? But they do and they show it and I feel like it adds so much to who he is. And I feel and I just can't wait for him to get a better car. Right. That white white Cadillac. Yeah, but it's interesting to how cars have kind of like played, a, had a play even in Breaking Bad. You know, when when Walter like buys his car for his son, and, and you know he drives those like his really nice cars, and you know it, it, it's interesting to see that evolution. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what what they do with that too. Um, another fun fact: so they shot Breaking Bad all on film, thirty five millimeter. Really. And and then and so this is the first show that Vince, uh, where they made the decision to switch over to to 4K and they're shooting on on a red. And um, 
like they, they kind of talked about that in the podcast, how it was a difficult decision. And I guess um, Christopher Nolan actually called Vince Gilligan because he knew that, you know, Vince Gilligan was kind of this, this advocate for film and, um, and asked him to like contact Sony and to, you know, petition Kodak to continue making film. And, and I guess he told him, he's like, yes, I'll definitely do this for you. But, but I got I have to be honest. I'm, I'm doing, I'm shooting my new show. on. Wow. Dude, it makes but, sense, man. Being in film school, you look at it and you're just, you can get so much more depth with digital now. You can yeah. shoot in raw. And especially with 4K, they're shooting things in 4K now instead of just 1080p. So basically yeah. what that means, with some of this footage, Mike, you could literally do a pan in a single shot with yeah. cropping well, because there's so there, much data. And they're working on 8K. Like, yeah. It's going to no, happen. No, it is already you know? happening. It is. Yeah. There's yeah. So you got these new red dragons and all these new awesome cameras, or even like that's what the it black, is. The red dragon. Yeah. There's another one that's like a phantom. I uh, guess. There's an Ursa. I don't know about the phantom. You know, Ursa dragon. Maybe it was a Lum- Lumix or something. I yeah, don't I don't know. But I guess that's how they shot a bunch of their. There's the black magic. There's so a pretty many. popular one. Maybe that's the what black it's magic is crazy because it shoots, and when you look at the footage, it looks flat because it is flat. But that's because there's so much data and it's a raw file and the footage is so big that you can pull colors and do all this crazy stuff with it. It's incredible. Wow. So I love film and, you know, I, I it's funny. One of my teachers here, I'm actually older than him by 19 days, but he talks about how most kids these days have never seen a film in a film in a theater. Like adults, 18-year-old kids, 19-year-old kids have never seen a film in a theater shot on 35 millimeter. And he, yeah. he teaches about grain and the difference between grain and pixels. Yeah. And people don't recognize it. And it makes me feel super old because you and I grew up on that. I was watching like one of those mouse movies and we, I saw the film melt on the camera because it got too hot. Uh, like I've yeah. seen that. And these kids have no idea. They just, yeah, they're just used to do you, crystal clear. Do you get to it? Will you do you get to work with film at all and, and like actually shoot on it and cut it and not you know? not here it's too expensive I mean if I want to spend oh, sixteen thousand yeah. dollars for you know well, and probably if it was like ten years ago or you know fifteen years ago easily it been different easily I mean even like ten years ago it yeah. was Robert, it was Robert Rodriguez who really started pushing Robert Rodriguez and George Lucas who really started pushing this James Cameron those guys they started pushing yeah. digital and that's it's become a revolution because it's so cheap you can leave a camera running. Forever. And you don't have yeah. to cut, and you, you don't can, have to reload, and you can just and, yeah. do resets instead of having to like cut and then do a new take. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. Well, Phil, uh, if you had to give a star rating to the first first season of Better Call Saul, what would you give it? Yeah, I think I had to give it a four point five out of five. There's one thing that would have made it a five for me. What? What is it? I would have loved to have just seen Walter White walking in the background. Just, just through the, just in the back, yeah. Hmm. Yep, that would have made it a five. Yeah, it would have just made it a five. That wow. that one thing, just seeing him like back there, would have made it a five. Well, well, maybe this might surprise you, but Better Call Saul is a solid five out of five for me. Wow, like, it, it it hits me in every on every note that I uh, that I needed. Yeah, it's good. And, you know, it's really it's good. So so good, and uh, there, yeah. I have nothing else to say. I would love to talk about it with any of our uh, smelly belly buttons out there, you know. Like, 
hit us up on on Facebook and Twitter and whatever because I will talk about it all day with you and this is a show that I plan to watch every episode of until it is done yeah I can't wait I cannot wait for the next season already I've got one last awesome sound clip okay. that we can go out with better call Saul oh sounds so good okay, let's listen again better call Saul <laughs> Dude, one of my favorite things about that show, though, is you could go to bettercallsalt.com, and you can still go now, and you can see all these fake commercials that they shot for Breaking Bad. Yeah, Yeah, and the site was just up. It's so great. There's uh, People play off of it. There's some stupid billboards in Albuquerque, like Better Call Bill. It's just like a total Saul Goodman ad. So oh, dumb, so funny. But it's it is it is New Mexico culture. Breaking Bad is New Mexico. You can buy Breaking Bad T-shirts and memorabilia in the airports. It is New Mexico. It is what has so cool. restored it. It's crazy. That's so cool. Well, and, and I love that that they didn't just leave it either, right? They they with the, with this show they said you know no we're gonna stick with Albuquerque. I mean of all the places, right? Like that they could shoot, you know, after Breaking Bad, Vince Gilligan could do whatever he wanted, whatever. anything, yeah. anything. I mean, they renewed the, they, the show for a second season, like, like six months before the first episode ever aired. Right. Like, uh, it's just, yeah, he could do anything he wanted. And I love that he just stays true to the story. He stays true to the character. And, and, and it's so well, well done. you know, Breaking Go Bad was it. supposed to be shot in um, California, right? At first. Well, then yeah, yeah. it was supposed to be in like, um, uh, what's it called? Not Chico. Anyway, right, right on the other side of the, the mountain, the hills from, from L.A., and they basically said, nope, you got to film in New Mexico because of the tax incentives. Because there's some great yes. tax incentives out here. And so they're like, okay. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it has become New Mexico. It's Heisenberg. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Phil, I think that's the end of uh, episode 31. Should we, uh, is there anything else you want to say? No. It's been great. It's been a pleasure. Smelly Bellies, thanks for sticking with us. You guys rock. See you guys.